1893, three men had the audacity to believe that God had called them to reach the unreached people of Sub-Saharan Africa. Within the first year, all three had contracted malaria and two of them passed away. After losing his two closest friends, Roland Bingham, the remaining survivor, still had the audacity to return to Africa only to contract malaria again. Unable to travel to Africa a third time, he had the audacity to recruit one last team. That team established a base that began SIM's work in Africa. Today, over 120 years later, SIM audaciously has over 4,000 workers in 70 countries around the globe. This morning, we are privileged to have SIM's International Director, Dr. Joshua Bogunjoko, speaking with us. As a boy, he attended a mission high school established by SIM in Nigeria, West Africa. He went on to medical school and served as a doctor and director of SIM's hospital in Niger before becoming International Director. His wife, Joanna, is also a medical doctor and they have two college-aged children. His life is a testament to the grace of God and the effectiveness of audacious global missions. Would you please join me in welcoming Dr. Bogunjoko. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I thank you for the privilege of being with you this morning. I want to thank you for your support for SIM and SIM missionaries around the world, many of those who have served in the past and several of those who are still serving with us around the world. We thank you for your commitment to the gospel of Christ. And thank you for the privilege of spending this time with you to share from the word of God this morning, especially as we reflect on the theme for this uh, week, the audacity of missions the audacity of missions. I have titled this message, The Audacity of Missions, Called to Take the Light to Hard Places. Called to Take the Light to Hard Places. You know, I think it's very interesting to me that the, the theme chosen for this week is audacity. Because mission takes some level of audacity that the one who commissioned us actually is the greatest of all, the one who stepped out with great audacity. Jesus, who called us to take his mission to the world, did it in a way that already stunned the world. And this week, we are reflecting on his call on, on each of us to take this light to difficult places. We're going to be looking at the book of Matthew, chapter 10. I'm going to read a few passages there, and then we will go on to look at what Jesus has to do. I won't read the whole passages that I have mentioned, but I will read a few passages, and we will look at what Christ has to say to us as we reflect on the audacity of mission this morning. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the privilege of reflecting on your call to hard places through the audacity of missions. And I ask now that you will prepare our hearts for your word and that you will speak to each one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Honor your name here, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I put up a few questions 
I asked, what if the audacity of mission is not something on the fringes, but the very heart of God's activity among the nations? What if this theme is not just one nice little theme that your mission committee had thought up, but in fact, it's the heart of what God is doing? And what if we take our Lord Jesus seriously when he said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. What if we take him seriously? And what if we begin to realize that all our gifts and skills is possible to be used by God to break through barriers that currently exist to the gospel in several places? What if it is possible to cross barriers of political, geographic, and all kinds of barriers that exist to the gospel right now to make Christ known among those who will otherwise live and die without knowing him? What if that is possible through the audacity of mission? What if by prayer and obedience it is possible to take the light of the gospel to every corner of the earth? What if it is possible? You see, it's easy for us to forget that the reality of the world is that many still live today under persecution and under diseases and in, at risk to life and property. It's easy for us to forget that as we sat here this morning, there are places where the church service is being conducted with iron doors locked and guards outside because it's not safe. It is easy for us when we are in comfortable places to forget that the church of Jesus Christ has not always been and will not always be at comfortable places. Recently, my wife and I were in Pakistan in October, and I preached in a church. And as soon as we all went into the church, they locked the church with iron gate and, and, and shut it up. We had a guard who we allowed the church if something were to happen outside. And when we returned, the commonest question we were asked was, was it safe? Well, it wasn't about safety. And I don't believe that when Jesus was speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, and he was saying to them from verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. I don't think he was thinking of safety. Jesus, the context of this passage, was Jesus speaking to his disciples, commissioning them, and calling them to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. We have places today where disease is still a threat to life. You watch the video, you had the story of the very first people who went to Nigeria. Just recently, we just had this in Liberia. And I... And some of those very missionaries whose life was almost taken by Ebola are back in Liberia today because they were not looking for safe places. They recognize that the audacity of mission is not about security, 
or safety or avoidance of risk. It's about the one who calls and sends. In this chapter of Matthew, Jesus was sending out the 12. At the beginning of that chapter, he summoned them to himself. And this is what he said to them in verse 9. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your, for, for your money belt, or a bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. Jesus was calling these people to send them out. And the first thing he did was to strip them of everything. What kind of a sender is that? Strip them of all that the security that they could be going out with. And then he said this to them from verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpent and innocent as dove. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my, name, for my name's sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Go on to, I'm going down to verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. 20, 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Go down to 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell and not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear you. You are more valuable than many sparrows. We're called to opportunities in the face of risk. You see, Jesus was talking to disciples People whom he was sending out. These were his followers. And he was sending them out. And he was saying to them, first of all, in verse 9, don't take anything. Okay, I can live with that. I mean, I can get people to give me some food. But you go to verse 16. And then he said to them, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And you kind of begin to ask yourself, which kind of a shepherd sends sheep among wolves? I think it's supposed to be the other way around. You chase the wolf that enter among sheep. Why will Jesus, who is the good shepherd, send his sheep among wolves? You see, Jesus was not just talking to these people. He was reflecting something of what the life of the church was going to be, and he was reflecting something of what the sending of his disciples to that world was going to be. He was reflecting the kind of calling he has placed on each one of us and the kind of sending that he is sending each one of us. And that is why when the church just the audacity of mission, you begin to understand that in fact Jesus knew something of the audacity of mission. Because it takes, an, it takes a level of audacity for a shepherd to send his sheep among wolves. You kind of, what kind of a world is that? See, Jesus was not sending them out for comfort. In fact, he was not sending them out for safety. It's never safe. There, are, there is no safe fellowship between wolves and sheep. 
he was sending out his sheep into a dangerous world. We are called to take the light of the gospel to hard places. And people say to me sometimes when we, ask, we, when, when we talk about those where we, with churches as we're recruiting people, they say, well, our, can, can our candidate please go to easier places? Because, you know, we want them to start at easier places. And we say to them, we're sorry, but all the easier places have been taken. <laughs> you see, the places that are not rich, they are not rich for a reason. Christ calls us to take the gospel to hard places. You are sheep among wolves, he said. And there are opportunities, even in those places where it is difficult to be a follower of Jesus. We are called to those opportunities. We are called to those places. We are called to step out and to make him known in hard places. In fact, it's interesting because in this passage, Jesus said several times, do not fear. What keeps us at home today? Fear. What makes us want to build up a financial security for ourselves? Fear. What makes us worry about going to certain parts of the world? Fear. And Jesus said three times within three passages, do not fear. You must know that our shepherd knows something about sheep living among wolves before he will say to us, do not fear. Do not fear. We should go because the world still thirsts and hunger for the Savior that we know and love. <laughs> there are places where we are being welcomed to present the gospel of Christ to those who would never have had except for people like you and I going. Sheep among wolves. You see, we are not called to comfort. In fact, comfort is always a danger to the church. Persecution does not kill the church. Comfort kills the church. And that's why Jesus said, I am sending you as sheep among wolves. They will treat you just like they treated your master. But there are places where even the wolves are welcoming the sheep. Because he knew that that was going to happen. And some of those examples are up there for you to reflect on. Why should we go? Because risk and suffering are part of the narratives of the life of the church. We are called to go. Jesus recognized the, sheep, the, the risk involved in sending sheep among wolves. He understood perfectly what, it, what he was saying to his disciples. And he wasn't saying it just for that moment. Remember, he was sending them out at that time. He wasn't telling them that just for that moment. Why? Because he said to them, some of you will be killed. Some of you will be brought before government. And some of you will be betrayed by the members of your own family. We know that in this commissioning, that didn't happen. But of course, it happened later. They paid that price later because their Savior had called them and sent them with the audacity of mission as sheep among wolves. There are still opportunities today. And risk-taking is a part of the narrative of the life of the church. 123 years ago, three young men took that risk. And you heard the story already 
They went out to this part of the world. SIM was called Sudan Interior Mission at its beginning, not because it was they were going to the country of Sudan, which didn't exist as a country at the time, but because they were going to this region of the world from the west of Africa all the way to the east, Af east side of Africa. And if you look very well, you will see the word Sudan written in there. They were going to that part because at the time, 60 to 90 million people live and die without ever hearing the good news that Jesus came and died for them. And they were going to take the gospel to those people. They were your college age people. The oldest was 25 and the youngest was 21. They stepped out to Nigeria. And it was so dangerous to go there that no mission agency was going to accept them. That was why they started their own. And when they arrived in Lagos, they were told, you are not going to see the Sudan. Your children will not see the Sudan. Perhaps your children's children will see the Sudan. In less than two years, two of them were dead. And the one that was remaining went back and recruited more people. And they kept going. Never giving up, because they know they've been called a sheep among wolves. It was said in the history of SIM in Nigeria, in its first seven years, there were more missionary graves than there were converts. But they never gave up. They kept going. And today, in that country, Millions of people will be worshiping Jesus because they never gave up in the face of risk and danger. And today I stand before you because those three men never gave up. I came to faith in Christ because they never gave up. Through their ministry, my family, my village, my community came to hear the good news that there is light and life in Christ. They gave up their life so that I can gain mine. Because of their courage, today, as we worship here, there will be more people worshiping an SIM-related church, worshiping the name of Christ than all of the continent of Europe put together. Why? Because three young men obeyed the call to step out into hard places, into difficult places, into risky places. Their vision has not died. Just this week, the SIM board has approved SIM starting work in the Middle East. Their vision continues to live because those are the places where men and women still live and die without ever hearing the gospel of Christ. What's our priority? What is your priority? What are your priorities? What are the focus of your life? Is it comfort and safety and security? Or is it stepping out in the name of Christ without fear because he said, do not fear. And he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. He knows exactly what he was doing when he said, do not fear. What are our priorities? It was David Livingston who said, if the commission of an earthly king is considered an honor, 
How can the commission of a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? If, if the president were to call some of us today and say, I want you to head this for this nation, we would consider it a privilege. How can the commission of a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? It was Judge Murray who said, are you planning, willing to go or planning to stay? Or are you planning to go but willing to stay? Most of us, because of security, because of risk, because of the things we want in life, continuously plan to stay. Although in our heart we say that we're willing to go. Are you willing to change that narrative today? Either by praying, by giving, by going. To say, Lord, from today and forevermore, I will be planning to go and willing to stay because you have sent me as sheep among wolves. Maybe to your neighbor or maybe to the next country. He calls each one of us to be a part of that story. I'm going to wrap up with the story of this, this couple. Tiberak, the lady there, was married to Yaakov. This is Abera. This is his, her new husband. In 2010, they were serving the Lord in the country of South Sudan, in a very difficult place, place you can't reach easily. Yaakov took ill. And on the 25th of November, 2010, we got the news that Yaakov had passed away. The plane that was sent from Kenya to go and pick him up in South Sudan was in the air when Yaakov passed away of cerebral malaria. And Yaakov's body was picked up and taken back to Ethiopia, which was the, the country they're from, the church that sent them. He was received, and they did the, they, they, they celebrated his life, and, the bury, and they did the burial. At that celebration of the life of Yaakov, Tiberek got up and said to the church, he said, Yaakov died doing what Christ had called him to do. When you die, what will you be doing? And she said, I am committed to going back to the people of Sudan to which God has called us. She went to the Bible school in Durami to get more training and to mourn her husband and to pass the time there. God blessed her with a new husband. And in 2014, they were back in the country of Sudan. That wasn't the end of the story. As the barrier of Yaakov was finished, the church that sent Tiberek and Yaakov, called, uh, the, our team that took the body back, they, they flew, I mean, they, they drove down to Addis Ababa to fly back to Kenya. As they arrived in Addis Ababa, they got a call from the church. And the church said to them, we are going to send another missionary couple to replace Yaakov and Tiberek. And, but they said to our leaders, they said, but we don't have the money to do it right now because this is a farming community. I've been there. It's a farming community. They have their harvest once in a year. And that's when they sell their, their products, their, their goods, and they give to mission. But this time of the year, there was nothing to sell. But they were committed to continue to send their people to hard places. And they said to our team, Right now, we don't have anything to sell to, sell to send this couple to replace Yaakov and Tiberek. And this is what we're going to do. Every member of our church is going to go to the hospital and donate blood. Because if you donate blood and you don't have a patient in the hospital, the hospital pays you. 
And they said, we're going to donate blood, and all the money we collect, we're going to use to send another couple. And that was exactly what they did. And they said to our team leader, our deputy director for Sudan, they said, as long as we have blood, we have something to give for the gospel. As long as we have blood, we have something to give for the gospel. What's your priority? What are you willing to give for the gospel of Jesus Christ? He calls us as sheep among wolves, just like he called them as sheep among wolves. He didn't promise safety. He didn't promise security, whether financial or emotional or, 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 or risk to physical or anything. But he said, fear not. They said, as long as we have blood, we have something to give to the gospel. They came through. And today, this couple are back serving in South Sudan. What's your priority? How is the Lordship of Christ demonstrated in your response to his calling that says, I'm sending you? What's your response to the audacity of missions? Father, thank you for this morning. As long as we have blood, we have something to give to the gospel. May that truth find a place in our hearts this morning. May the plight of those who live in darkness burden our hearts, Lord. And with the audacity of mission, may we step out in any way you have called each one of us. We praise you in Jesus' name.